Welcome to Uncharted Entrepreneurship, your front row seat to daring stories from the boldest business trailblazers forging new paths across industries. I'm your host, Brent Peterson, armed with inside access, sitting down with partners, founders, and CEOs in the entrepreneurial world. Let's explore. Welcome to this episode of Uncharted Entrepreneurship. Today I have Greg Keating. He is with Hangar 12, the CEO. Uh, Greg, why don't you go ahead, do an introduction for yourself and tell us your day-to-day role, maybe one of your passions in life. Yeah, thanks, Brent. Absolutely happy to be here. Uh, Greg Keating, I'm the CEO of Hangar 12. We're a small, independent CPG marketing agency. Uh, we focus a lot in digital and social media, retail media, retail activations at grocery stores, big box retailers. A lot of the clients and brands we work with are typically stuff you'd see on shelf as you're going about your, your uh, weekly grocery shopping trips. But um, I'm lucky enough to be the third generation in my family that's had a chance to be a part of the company. Uh, so we have a little bit of a unique legacy there where we've actually been an incorporated entity for 50 years as of uh, this past December. Um, so we got to celebrate that milestone, but um, it's been uh, quite a journey and a fun ride to uh, work alongside my dad for the last six years or so, because uh, he he had that same opportunity to work with my grandpa when he first joined the company. So um, it's been, uh, yeah, a really fun journey. I've immersed myself in the marketing world and uh, it's been a wild ride, but um, I'm an avid Tennis player, golfer, which I guess is kind of converted into pickleball in the last year with the the craze that's sweeping the nation. But um, that's one thing that I'm I'm looking forward to the warm weather. Yeah, it seems like everybody's doing pickleball nowadays, and uh, I, I've actually played pickleball, and I think it's super fun. So I need to you know find some time to get into that as well. Definitely. Uh, Greg, before we get started, I know that you have so graciously volunteered to be part of the Free Joke Project. So all I'm going to do is tell you a joke. Um, and all you have to do is say, should this joke be free or do you think someday we should charge for it? So all here right, we go. Let's do it. 90% of bald people still own a comb. They just can't part with it. <laughs> uh, I have not heard that one before. I feel like that might fall into the free category uh, all right yeah you have a lot of hair so i mean that's you know it's a little unfair right um and actually yeah. i don't own a comb full transparency if, you, if you're listening Disclaimer. on the podcast i'm completely bald uh, and i don't own a comb all right greg so let's get let's let's talk about uh let's talk about your business um you just recently took over uh, yeah. as, as, a, as the owner now, uh, the, from your family. And that's, that's fantastic. Tell us about the journey and some of the, how you got where you're at. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I remember, um, growing up my dad commuting. So I grew up in the West suburbs of Chicago and I remember my dad commuting into the city every day because the office building at the time was two blocks West of the Sears tower. Uh, it was very much the kind of 2000s marketing agency vibe you might expect with the, the slide from the second floor to the first floor and uh, a super fun environment. So for me, I got to just see that uh, at a young age and see what a sort of a fun, dynamic work environment could look like. Um, but as I got older, I kind of 
was not interested in the marketing space uh, and, and really wasn't drawn or gravitated towards that. Um, I saw how hard my dad worked. I saw how much uh, energy and effort and stress that that took. And uh, I kind of thought that wasn't for me <laughs> based on seeing that firsthand. So I ended up studying supply chain management. That took me down this path of project management, data analytics. I spent time working for Coca-Cola uh, and then Ecolab up here in uh, the Minneapolis-St. Paul area. Uh, and, and that led to a lot of project management, um, a lot of just getting immersed in some of the end-to-end -end connections across big business. Um, and so what started as sort of this expertise in supply chain manufacturing evolved over time into, again, more of that kind of, how do you tell a story with data? How do you communicate um, complex message, complex ideas and a simple message to get stakeholder buy-in? All these things that served me really well as I made the decision to then transition back to uh, work with my dad because it was honestly just a conversation that came up over one Thanksgiving six years ago and seemed like a rare thing in this life to to have that. Um, and that was just based on what I had observed, right, for, for some of these big companies and even uh, friends and colleagues and that type of thing. So uh, I knew it was kind of an opportunity that was too good to pass up to um, build that relationship with my dad in a new way uh, and get the, the opportunity to work alongside him. So basically for the last five years, I've kind of been his understudy, seeing what works, what doesn't, trying to apply that in, in my own way. And uh, that sort of culminated in him selling me the company this past January. And now he's, he's playing golf more days a week than not. And I'm uh, working hard. And so are, have you moved the whole company up to Chicago or are you working remote or how does that work? Yeah, that's a great point that I missed there is that we actually went fully remote in 2015. So my dad was kind of ahead of the curve there in terms of uh, pre-COVID making that transition. Um, so originally they had an office in Hillside, Illinois that moved downtown around 2000 and then fully remote in 2015. Um, so we've been a remote organization since then. We've, we've really kind of honed our processes to be uh, built around that and, and to make that um, work for our people. Um, but we're small, right? We're a very small shop. So we're close to a dozen full-time employees and we've got a number of part-time employees as well. So um, we kind of make sure that our people are, are very much uh, bought into that setup uh, prior to, to working for the company. But um, that has, we're, we're still concentrated in the Midwest. So a lot of people in the Chicagoland area, but Minnesota, Missouri, Wisconsin, Indiana, Kentucky, we've kind of got a hub here in the Midwest. That's awesome. And so have, um, just a little bit on the on the um, work remote thing, that that's like 2015 was kind of way before a lot of times people thought it would be successful. Um, was there some particular communications tools that you employed to make that work well for you? Yeah, I mean, nothing uh, cutting edge, I would say, right? It was, I think, more internal processes about how we used those tools ourselves and, and kind of built that standard. So it was the things that you've, you're well familiar with now, right? Zoom um, for project management. We were using Basecamp at the time. 
uh, Slack, those sort of things to just kind of have this ever-present communication or, or this way to reach people that obviously you can't do to stand up and walk to the, the desk next door. Um, and we still, to this day, utilize a lot of those same tools. I think that's shifted even more so to a lot of picking up the phone and calling people. Texting is now kind of a prevalent uh way in which we communicate even as colleagues. Um, but then the willingness to hop on a video chat, right? I remember like working for Ecolab and it was like taboo to turn your video on in the conference call because people were so used to audio conference calls. And that was like a foreign concept. And now for our team, that's like second nature, right? The video, the video has to be on when you're talking because that's how we stay connected. Yeah, I, I I think that's I mean it's such a great point that it, and, and it's come such such a long ways. Um, on the video bit, do you find that some of the um, some people that insist on it, but maybe they're just sitting in a meeting not paying attention? Sometimes they detract from the meeting. I've been, I've encountered that for sure. I've encountered that both on <laughs> my side with um, employees in some cases, and and oftentimes with clients, right, who are multitasking and have 50 things going on on their side. And maybe there's a particular, especially in pitches, right? Maybe there's a particular stakeholder who um, isn't all that engaged or, or interested in what you're doing. I kind of treat that as a challenge for us to make sure whatever we're presenting or speaking to or the purpose of that meeting is solid enough that we're capturing that engagement. And if we're not, you know, maybe that's a something we can refocus on to make sure that the right people are in the room or we're uh, using the right tools or methods to engage those folks. Um, but sometimes you definitely come across folks that you know, maybe it would be better if their video was off. But uh, I'd say that's getting more few and far between. Um, growing up uh, in an entrepreneurial family, did you do you feel as though it made it easier for you to transition into the role of of the CEO uh, rather than if you were if you had just not had that experience and then came from the corporate world into what you're doing? I'd say yes, I think so. I mean, it, it's been really interesting because uh, my dad and I work in distinctly different ways. We're, we're similar. We've taken those like personality tests. We're similar in a lot of, a lot of ways and we're, we're different in a few key ways. Um, something that's really interesting about his background is that he was like a <clears throat> parks and rec manager in Irvine, California before coming back to Chicago to, to get immersed in the marketing world. So for him, all that learning just kind of came on the fly as he was, spending his days in the office and, and grinding and, and building the company. And so he's really just somebody who knows what works based on iteration and based on um, trial and error and reading people and uh, understanding the business context and all these different things that for me, just being able to watch him work in that way instilled that sort of mindset to say, okay, I can, try different things here. And just because something fails doesn't mean it's the end of the world, right? That's, that's how you figure out the right way to go in certain instances. Um, but I also have the added benefit of 
a business background, a master's degree in an MBA. And so I, I have some of the more kind of academic theories that I can layer over the top and apply when looking at the business financially or operationally or otherwise that um, weren't available to him, right? Or, or he uh, didn't have the, the time or opportunity to, to go do. So um, I think I'm, I kind of get the best of both worlds there in terms of the classical business education, but then seeing, to your point, um, somebody with an entre entrepreneurial spirit kind of build it from the ground up uh, so I can take lessons from both. Um, as you looked at your your dad and your grandpa, were they workaholics? Would they, would they be described as working solid all the time and, and you would see them as working very hard or were they were they um, the opposite of of uh, of getting it done and then taking a lot of time off? I would say early on more of the former. Right? I, I remember looking back at that, and, and particularly because my dad was making a, a brutal hour plus commute each way every day uh, from the west suburbs of Chicago into the heart of downtown, and and uh, and he's somebody yeah who won't leave until the job is done, right? And so that level of commitment to delivering a good product or service to the client or to internal um, colleagues is something I admire and also something I'm wary of in terms of kind of seeing the level of stress and burnout that that can cause. Now, I'll say this for him is that in the last, uh, even the last five years, the transition and, and some of the shifts he's made as he starts thinking about stuff like succession planning and how he wants to spend his time and uh, what his identity is, has been really inspiring to see because he is just somebody who goes a hundred percent on whatever he's focused on. And for a long time, that was work uh, and still is to some degree, but now he's finding other pursuits other other avenues of, of being a grandparent and getting into weightlifting and focusing on his health and wellness and, these things that have just been uh, outlets for him. So I think he's figuring out some of that balance now uh, as opposed to what's so easy for anybody with an entrepreneur spirit, right, is to just pump 100% of that into your, your workflow. Um, thinking about some of the reasons or thinking about how you got introduced to EO, Entrepreneurs Organization, what what was it that kind of drew you to it? And what are some of the expectations you have for being an EO now? Yeah, so it was kind of an offhand comment that was made to me, sort of a referral about looking into this as a way to get connected locally to like-minded people and have <clears throat> a peer group or um, a group of individuals to, to really connect with who you understand and who understand you at a base level that a lot of other people don't um, because of some of the things we've already talked about in terms of how you spend your time, what eats away at your brain when you're um, just kind of sitting around thinking about different things. So for me, the opportunity to learn and focus on personal growth and business growth simultaneously with like-minded individuals was enough to pique my interest. And then kind of looking through the forum setup and, and how EO is structured in, in such a way that it, it's not just uh, 
it's not just a check the box thing, kind of come in, talk about your business, hear best practices and dip out, right? It's, it's meeting people where they're at, having vulnerable conversations, having honest conversations about the good and the bad and, and the hardship of being an entrepreneur and um, having some of those outlets to understand from other people who've either been there before or going through it alongside you, what are ways that I can better manage this or, or understand it and, and be a better leader. And so that all was super attractive to me because that's a lot of the mindset I try to adopt uh, in, in leadership and, and just being a lifelong learner. So that was for sure what drew me in. Um, you did mention, uh, you know, getting into best practice for business or something like that. Um, was it, was it a thought that, that EO might be like a balance between business, family, personal? Was that, was that a draw or is that something new that you're just learning? Um, that was a draw. That was a draw. I mean, that was something I think I read and then, uh, in, in talking to, uh, Riley, I think is who I got introduced to. And he was kind of talking to me about his forum group and how deeply personal it was to him. And, and, uh, as, as we were talking, one of his forum members was like giving him a ring on the phone, like in, in the middle of work day. And uh, it was just kind of this cool organic moment of like, oh, those are like real relationships where those people are reaching out to you if they have a question, business, personal or otherwise, um, to, to lean on. And I think, um, you know, I had that kind of surface level draw uh, and then sort of hearing from from him uh, and seeing in real time, like what that looks like uh, was super appealing. Um, if you're thinking in a year what what you would like to get out of uh, entrepreneurs organization, what would that be? I would say um, I would, I want to be an active participant. So I know obviously the forums are a huge piece of it, but I also throughout my life feel like I have done a poor job of taking advantage of the resources available to me at organizations that I've been a part of. So I went to the University of Illinois down in Champaign-Urbana, massive Big Ten school, tons of opportunity to participate in student organizations and all these different connections. And I kind of found my group of people that I enjoyed and loved and hanged out and hung out with for, for my four years. And that was great. It was a great experience. I learned a ton, but there's, there was just a massive amount of opportunity there to get plugged in that I did not even pay attention to or take advantage of. And so already going through some of the uh, EO initiation and seeing the amount of events, resources available and um, opportunities to go to speaking engagements and, and learn from, uh, you know, I think one coming up is like a sort of like a Buddhist mindset and, and recentering and that type of thing. And it's like, I would never otherwise listen to that individual, right. Or go take advantage of that opportunity. So for me, it's, I want to get immersed holistically, not just my, I mean, I definitely want to get obviously involved in the forum and build those relationships, but I want to really take advantage of those resources um, available across the wider EO uh, connection to, to really learn more. That's awesome. Uh, Greg, we have a few minutes left. Um, what, what, what do you see for your own business this year? Do you have any predictions that you want to throw out there? 
Yeah, we've, we're already, it's fun. I get to spend a lot of time with my employees recentering a little bit on our agency positioning now, because it is kind of an inflection point in the business and, and um, with me taking over and how we want to talk about ourselves and, and brand ourselves, take a little bit of our own medicine on the brand marketing side that I think oftentimes gets ignored um, because you're so caught up in the, the day-to-day, right? The execution, the delivering for clients. And so already this first month, we've, we've spent a lot of time asking the question of who are we and how do we better communicate that across our website, across our business pitches, even just in how we talk about ourselves. So we're, we're already focusing a lot on that kind of messaging of being this small scale powerhouse where uh, we get the opportunity to work with some of these mid-market or bigger CPG brand companies who oftentimes are working with large agencies and there's drawbacks to that. There's great benefits, but oftentimes there's drawbacks in terms of the level of individual that gets assigned to their account uh, or the FaceTime they get with director level roles. And for us, it's like everybody on my team is client facing and it's a lot of director level interfacing. It's a, it's people on my team who've worked across huge brands, both here and prior to coming here that are able to deliver that expertise uh, to clients firsthand. And we think like brand managers. So we try to uh, maintain that level of personal service and connectivity to our clients that I think sometimes can get lost in the shuffle with some of those bigger transactions or, or more transactional relationships with, with bigger agencies. So I'm, I'm looking forward to leaning into that, doing, uh, doing some more rebranding around that. Uh, Greg, as we, as I close out the podcast, I gave everybody a chance to do a shameless plug about anything you'd like. What would you I like jumped to plug the gun there, Brent. <laughs> I was already uh, plugging the agency before you asked. Sorry. Keep going. No, no, go ahead. Um, hangar 12. Tell us, uh, tell us your, your ideal client. Yeah, it's a great question. I think historically my dad, especially being in the Chicagoland area, worked with a lot of those huge CPG clients that I'm sure you're familiar with, Kraft Heinz, Sarah Lee, ConAgra, um, some of these bigger companies that were based in the Chicago metro because they would be on site often, right, and, and visiting with the client and that type of thing. And now we're much more national, uh, we're much bigger, um, but that also means that um, we are kind of shifting or scaling back from some of those blue chip uh, relationships and focusing more on those mid-market CPG companies, right? It might be someone in the <clears throat> 10 to 100 or 200 million in revenue uh, annually who they employ five or less people on their marketing team, right? So they're, they're really leaning into their agency to be an extension of that team and to give them capabilities and strategy and expertise that uh, they'd otherwise have to hire or bring in additional overhead to, to take advantage of. So um, we try to find that right fit. We focus on quality. We're usually not working with more than five to six clients at a time because I don't want to necessarily be like hyper growth from the standpoint of just um, adding clients. I think quality over quantity makes sense for us in that space to say, how do we maintain that relationship? How do we maintain that level of 
service that's our calling card um, and still deliver good results. That's perfect. Uh, Greg Keating is the CEO of Hangar 12. Greg, so much. Thank you so much for being here today. Awesome. Appreciate it, Brent. Uncharted Entrepreneurship is a production of Content Basis LLC. Copyright 2023. You can find more award-winning content at contentbasis.io. And that wraps up the latest edition of Uncharted Entrepreneurship, Bold Tales from Entrepreneurial Trailblazers. I'm your host, Brent Peterson, signing off after an incredible fireside chat with one of our intrepid trailblazing guests. Their firsthand perspective on conquering the unexplored wilds of business is just a taste of the rare wisdom you'll discover from pioneering entrepreneurs on this show. I also invite you to join me each week for insider commentary on the startup scene and digital marketing landscape on my Talk Commerce podcast. You can find Talk Commerce wherever you download podcasts or go to talk-commerce.com. I'd be grateful if you left a review and rating for Uncharted Entrepreneurship to help more bold founders find their way to game-changing insights that empower ventures to transform communities. This is your host, Brent Peterson, signing off for now. I'll see you around the virtual campfire next episode as we embark on another adventure into the great entrepreneurial unknown.